Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. My grandparents own a cabin on a remote lake a few hours from the city that we live in. I've been going there my whole life, in my 40s now, along with my entire family, including many uncles and aunts and cousins. It's pretty much just where we party and relax, playing cards, fishing, riding ATVs, and usually a healthy amount of alcohol for the adults. There's about 70 cabins and some campgrounds around the lake too, lively in the summer and completely dead in the winter. So, a few years back, some of us cousins decided to replace the original cabin floor with Pergo. People chipped in and I agreed to lay the flooring. This was in January. So, one of my cousins, a female with a full-size truck, picked up the flooring and went to drop it at the cabin. She had planned on staying the night and returning the next day, but as she was bringing in the stuff, a man walked into our lot and approached her. Luckily, she had a forty-five holstered on her belt... We get hungry and curious black bears occasionally, and a mountain lion once in a blue moon. The guy starts asking questions, but she's more focused on his appearance. He's a typical homeless drug user look, but with really dead eyes. She repels his questions and tells him that he needs to move on, while keeping a distance for enough time to draw and fire if necessary. Luckily, again, he says bye and he just moves on but she has a gut feeling to just get the hell out, drops the stuff quickly, and she splits. A few weeks after that, I head up for the weekend to work alone. She had told me about the guy, but I just figured that he was a hungry drifter or something. I do a little prep work that evening, and I crash around 10pm. Maybe because I was alone too, I decided to sleep with my pistol. Scaredy cat, right? 
I'm not sure what time it was, but I woke up to footsteps on the deck. Super light footsteps too, but it's a creaky deck, so I initially thought it was a bear. I was about to sit up when a shadow crossed the window. I didn't move, except to grab my gun, which was under the covers with me. I was glad that I had it, but I still felt relatively paralyzed in that moment. Then he just stepped in front of the window, and my eyes immediately closed to a slit, but I could still see that it was a man, but just the figure with a subtle detail, because there wasn't much moonlight. I could actually see his scraggly beard off to the sides of his face as well, but no face details. Now obviously, a gun only helps if you aren't petrified with fear. But in the back of my mind, I knew that if this guy got in, he was definitely getting shot. And sure enough, after watching me for maybe an hour, he tried sliding the window. Luckily, it was locked since it was winter. So he moves to a sliding glass door, but that's locked too. Then to the front door, and the whole time I'm thinking, should I get up there and freak out or wait until he gets in? And honestly, I was getting pissed and almost wanted him to just come in. This piece of crap scared my cousin and now he's been terrorizing me for at least a few hours. Last I heard, he had tried the front door handle but nothing for about five minutes. I was sick of this and about to get up and go crazy when he's back in my window. So I just continue laying there. There was a feeling in the air though of just... I don't know how to express it, but madness is the best word. Like, this person's energy was capable of just really horrible things. Another full hour of watching me goes by, and then he just slips away, and he's gone. I keep listening, but I don't hear anything else. Minutes are like hours, and finally the sun comes up. I creep room to room, pistol ready, but there's nothing. Another hour of the sun getting higher and I was ready to check outside. I searched the whole property, woodshed and the water tower. He was gone thankfully, but he definitely left some footprints. They were fresh off the deck with obviously different soul patterns than mine. I reported everything to the rangers and we told the other cabin owners to spread the word. And after that, I decided to just bury it in my mind because I really love the place and nothing will stop me from going. So I'm a male teenager and last year I was coming out of school with my earphones in and my school bags with me. I go to a fencing club at my school, I do saber, but it starts two hours after school so I usually go into town and just buy something to eat. I was coming close to the subway when I noticed a guy walking down the street towards me. It immediately set off alarm bells too because he looked really unhappy until he saw me and then just beamed at me and showed his black teeth and then rubbed his crotch. I thought that he was just being weird or just making a really unfunny joke. He had on a dirty blue jacket with torn jeans and definitely not the ones that are torn for style. I walked past him and I just kept going. I looked behind me and sure enough, this dude was now following me. I thought that I might have been paranoid, so I tried a few things to check. Firstly, I stopped in front of a shop window and pretended to tie my laces. I saw in the window that he stopped as well and he began looking into his phone, but I could tell that he was on the camera. 
He kept using his fingers to adjust the zoom and kept moving the position of the phone, all while staring at it really hard. Next, I pulled a pound coin out of my pocket and walked up to an elderly couple and asked them if they had dropped it. I tried to stall for as long as possible and he stopped and began messing with his phone camera again. I knew for sure that he was following me now and I had a stroke of genius. My best friend's mum works in an extremely high-end woman's jewellery store, one that you have to actually get invited to the store to enter and the cheapest things there are at least four grand. This was important because I knew that there was a 24-7 security guard stationed there who actually knew me because I was always with friends and we would walk past him to get to the train station to go home every day. It was only a two minute walk away but I could get there a lot faster if I walked a bit faster. I disguised my sudden burst in speed as me just walking in time with the music, head nodding, hitting my thighs to an imaginary beat, rhythmatic steps. He sped up as well but it would look suspicious if he went as fast as I did so he hung back a bit. I eventually got to the place and I told the security guard that I needed to talk to my friend's mum and also warned him about the stalker and why I wanted to see her. He let me in and I talked to her and she said that I could stay there for as long as I needed to be sure that I was safe. I watched through the window as the stalker approached the shop and tried to walk in the door. The security guard doesn't unlock the door and he just asks him what he was doing. Friend's mom radios the security guard quietly and tells him that this is the guy that I was talking about. The security guard told him to go away. Stalker refused. The security guard repeats himself more aggressively and gets the same response. The security guard steps forward and says in his most aggressive tone that he could muster, leave now before I floor you and knock all of your teeth into that conveniently placed drain. The stalker looks back and sees that the security guard is not bullcrapping him and there is actually a drain there. He obviously thought that it just wasn't worth the risk and so he left. I stayed for an hour and then I left. When I got back to my school though I saw the dude following me again so I got into my school grounds to see if he would follow me in and he did. I pulled my saber out of my bag. He began saying that he wasn't going to hurt me and that he just wanted to talk to me. He said that he thought that I was super handsome and he wanted to be my boyfriend. This dude looked like he was in his 30s too. I obviously shut him down and told him to just get lost, but he didn't. By this time, I think that he knew that I wasn't going to cooperate and that I wouldn't be going without a fight. But he must have thought that I was too scared to use it because he began hurling insults at me. I stepped forward with my sword and he backed off. Because the sports hall overlooks the car park, my coach saw me in the entrance and the car park is right next to it, with my sword drawn at a random stranger. He ran out with his own to parry mine if I tried to hurt the dude because he probably thought that I was doing something dumb and there wasn't a reason for it. He yelled for me to explain myself and I told him what had happened. The creep insisted that it was wrong but I contacted my friend's mum and she verified the story. And soon after... He ran off and I haven't seen him since. I feel like it was just blind luck that led me to safety, but why am I glad that I noticed him when I did? So a couple of months ago, I shared here about different experiences that my sons have had in their rooms. Finally, I myself had an experience and that was what prompted me to share my story here. 
it got a bit of attention and I received some good advice from some people here so I thought that I would type an update. The last story left off immediately after my own experience. I was rattled and confused about the glowing eyes that I saw in my eldest son's room so I took action. When my sons went to spend the weekend at their grandparents' house, my husband went to work the night shift and I braced myself. That night I went upstairs and I took a look around before I went to bed. I made sure to mark my territory by walking into every room, making around and saying out loud, this is my house and this is my son's room, you don't live here anymore. Now, some of you would clearly advise against this since I didn't know what the hell was up there, or if it was even aggressive, but I didn't have sage to burn or time to call in a clairvoyant or anything. I had two days till my boys would come home and that was it. That night, as I went to bed, I turned a little light on in my room, and I was trying not to seem scared, but man, the darkness at this point was oppressive. I laid down in bed, and immediately, the light blew up. It smelled horrible, and I was in complete darkness. I jumped out of bed and turned on the ceiling lamp, and it blew out too. So I did what any rational person would do. I freaked out and yelled things like, so you're going to blow up every lamp in my house? What then? I'm not going anywhere. I marched upstairs in the light of my phone's flashlight and repeated my this is my house chant a couple of times until I calmed down and started to wonder what the hell is up. My guess is that this thing knew what my intentions were and was actually pissed that my sons weren't in the house so it took it out on me. I went downstairs thinking that I'm going to be alone in this house until 7.30 in the morning. Shivering at this point, I went into the bedroom to change the light bulbs when I heard the piano in the living room. Just a frustrated smack on the keys and then silence. And after that, the house was quiet for the rest of the night. Actually, for the rest of the weekend. We still have experiences, but a lot less than before. The kids stay in their rooms and beds most nights and they aren't that scared anymore. I still prance around upstairs once a day telling this thing to leave my house. It seems to be a game of stubbornness at this point I think. But anyway, I just would like to say a big thank you to all of the people that gave me advice on the last time I told the story. I'll see how this goes and if anything changes I'll let you guys know. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This happened in Daytona Beach, Florida in 2012. It was the summer between my freshman and sophomore years in high school. My grandparents lived in Florida at the time, close to Daytona but not actually in there and we decided to take a vacation within a vacation and spend a weekend at a hotel there. When we got there, for whatever reason, my grandparents decided that they just didn't want to stay and that they would come pick me and my mum up at the end of the weekend, since they only lived about an hour away. My mum and I asked them to drop us off at Joe's Crab Shack for dinner and we were going to walk back to our hotel. Somehow, we completely misjudged how far away the restaurant was from our hotel, so... It ended up being an insanely long walk, like six or seven miles, when we were expecting two to three max. And on the way back to the hotel, it got pretty dark on us. There was enough light from the street to be able to see pretty decently, but to get up to the street, we would have to go through an alleyway, and we didn't feel comfortable with that, so we decided that we would just stay on the beach. Now, I want to say that even though it was dark... There was a full moon and enough light from the street that whenever we passed a person, we could clearly make out a face if we were close enough. So, while the dark may have played a small factor in this, I don't think it was enough of a factor that I can just dismiss the experience. So, as we're walking, we see a light ahead toward us about six-ish feet off the ground. We weren't too concerned because it looked like somebody going the opposite direction as us wearing a headlamp like a a nighttime stroll on the beach or something. As the light got closer, we noticed that the light was extremely steady. Not like somebody walking, and especially not like somebody walking on the sand. As it got close to us, this is what we saw. It was a cloaked figure wearing a brown monk-like cloak with a large hood. It wasn't walking, but kind of gliding along. There were no visible feet, There was a light shining out from under the hood of the cloak. There was no face, and except for the light, it appeared to be completely black inside, almost like an empty cloak floating through the air without a person inside. Strangely, too, it didn't seem to notice us and just kind of glided on past. My mum and I remember this exactly the same, and believe me, I'm pretty much into science the whole way, but I really can't explain this one, as... It was definitely light enough that we should have seen a face or at least feet. Have any of you guys come across something like this before? What are your thoughts? I was around 10 and the year was around the year 2000. It was Thanksgiving and my birthday is November 23rd. This is the date for Thanksgiving like once every four years. I can't recall if the day in question was one of my birthdays or not, but it's not really that important. So, I live in South Mississippi, and for holidays, sometimes we go see our extended family one town over. 
but they have a big house, lots of land, live out in the woods, and have smaller buildings around the main house, which were being used as storage mainly. When we arrived, my parents introduced me to the cousin of mine that I had never met, named Zach. He was one year older than me, making him about 11 at the time, I think. We hit it off instantly too, and we went upstairs to play Mario Kart on the SNES. After an hour of that, we took to running around outside for a little bit, which led to us exploring the smaller buildings of the property. We came across one that could have been an apartment for someone, and it had a small kitchen, a refrigerator, TV, a living area, and some workout machines on the first floor, and it wasn't a big building at all. The upstairs consisted of two empty bedrooms and a very small hallway dividing them. The upstairs rooms were to the immediate left and right of the top of the stairs as well. So, me and Zach went up there and we found an empty room to the right, but the door on the left was closed. We went back to the first floor and fired up the TV so that we could be away from all the adults for a while and just hang out. One of my uncles even came in to grab some frozen food from the freezer and told us to have fun and be safe. The usual adult platitudes. Roughly half an hour goes by when, out of nowhere, we heard a loud crash and... It sounded like a car crash, if I'm being honest, or maybe something akin to a loud metal object falling through a house. And it all seemed to be coming from upstairs. Naturally, we wondered what the hell was going on. Me going first, went to the staircase to see what was up, and there he is. A neon green figure, similar to how the Flying Dutchman from Spongebob is depicted. Transparent and bright green, was just staring over the railing at it was hanging halfway out of the previously locked door just staring at us and the door was cracked open now his torso stopped at the door me and zach both screamed bloody murder and ran back to the main house and told her parents who laughed it off as kids being kids i think someone even made the statement that it could be a deceased cousin of ours that stayed over there at one point or something like that to this day, my mother even brings it up sometimes because we both love the paranormal stuff. But it being so long ago, I'm pretty sure that my memories have at least distorted it a little bit. That image of the green man sticking through a door and leering at me down a staircase and that loud crash will be with me forever. So guys, if you have any similar stories, I sure would love to hear them. I usually just lurk here, but I've heard a few stories in my time that kind of line up with my own, so if you have any explanations as to what this could be, I would really love to hear it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm a guy, mid-twenties, living in the U.S. This happened a few months back and I'd like to share it. So about a year ago, I decided to quit my corporate job of several years. Long story short, I was absolutely miserable and I needed a serious change. So I dipped into my savings, packed up only my most necessary belongings, and I moved from my hometown on the east coast to XYZ City, some 2,000 miles away. 
An impulsive decision for sure, but one that I don't regret. My first month I sputtered through a series of odd jobs, casually drifting from one gig to another as I tried to figure out what I really wanted out of my life. Eventually an acquaintance suggested that I try bartending. At the time I had no experience at all, but I thought, you know what, screw it. Why not put myself out there? Couldn't hurt to try, right? I applied to all the LGBT bars in town. I'm gay. I figured that a job at one of these places would be a good way to integrate myself into the community, and maybe even meet some guys without having to resort to Grinder and the like. I quickly hit it off with the owner of a neighborhood pub, and he hired me on the spot, promising to mentor me and all things booze-related. And the following months were some of the best of my life. Met a lot of good people, and I gained a lot of perspective. I'm now even starting grad school, but I still work at the same bar a couple of nights a week. And that's where the following incident occurred a few months ago. I should mention that this bar is on the corner of a main road and a quiet side street. That's important to know. Around 5.45pm, I parked my car halfway down the side street, which at that time was lined with cars, and I walked back to the pub. After taking some deep breaths and doing some quick mental prep, despite the nature of my job, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool introvert. I walked through the front door, tossed my car keys into my knapsack, and tossed my knapsack over the main bar. It's my routine, and what I always do. Only bartenders are never allowed behind the bar, and I've never really felt the need to lock my personal belongings in the back office. It's just not that kind of place. What I mean is, almost all of the patrons are quality people, hard workers, community members, younger, older, everything in between. People who generally deserve a break every now and if only in the form of a cocktail or three. That being said, it's definitely not cheers, and admittedly this job has really made me wise to what so many women must have to endure on a regular basis. Not everyone is respectful of personal boundaries, especially when you're new or fresh meat. I've been leered at, I've had guys reach out and run their hands through my hair, stroke my chest, squeeze, well, things forcefully pull me closer and whisper to me all things that they'd like to do, only to get righteous and angry when I don't enthusiastically reciprocate. My first week, my boss told me, half-jokingly, that this is a gay bar, there's no such thing as sexual harassment. <laughs> I guess because they're dudes and I'm dudes, we're all dudes, I'm supposed to just man up and deal with it, which for the most part, I do or did. The money's consistently good, but I still can't say that I'm entirely comfortable with it. Double standards suck, right? Anyway, Monday evenings can be a bit of a hit or miss. That one Monday was a miss, for sure, but by the time 10pm rolled around, only a couple of folks remained. And that was when Vern walked in. I'd guess that Vern was in his mid to late 30s, I'd say. Solid build, clean shaven, average looking... Sort of impeccably anonymous. I'd never seen him before, but he sat down at the edge of the counter on the very last stool, next to where I enter and exit from behind the bar, and where I usually leave my belongings too. He ordered a soda and introduced himself, and we made small talk for a few minutes. He seemed to be a pretty affable guy, and nothing about him seemed explicitly out of the ordinary. But admittedly, something about him just didn't quite sit right with me. He almost seemed uh, a little too ordinary, 
like conspicuously so. He was kind of dressed up as dressed down, if that makes any sense. It's hard to describe, but think along the lines of someone who might spend an hour trying to style perfect bedhead. Anyway, at some point, the topic got around to video games, which I love, and for a good 10 minutes we discussed some upcoming releases that we were both apparently excited about. Eventually, I had to excuse myself to help another customer, as well as finish a couple of other tasks that still needed doing. But Vern said that it was no big deal and, of course, I needed to do my job. Cool, no problem. As I walked around the pub, cleaning this and that, I couldn't help but notice, though, that whenever I happened to look in Vern's direction, he was already looking at me. This is something that I've gotten used to as a bartender, I admit, but again, something in particular just didn't sit right. Sometimes he would look away, but most of the time he wouldn't, giving me a tiny impenetrable smile. This went on for a while, nearly two hours in fact. I'd walk up to him occasionally, ask him if he needed anything and we'd have a brief exchange. I'd go back to my other duties, he'd just keep on staring and so on and so on. In all that time too, he only ordered one more soda and he didn't talk to anyone else. He had his smartphone on the counter in front of him, but I never once saw him looking at it. As I said before, I have experienced worse, definitely, so I figured that he was probably socially awkward or maybe just lonely. Whatever he was, though, he wasn't particularly subtle. By midnight, Vern was the only person still sitting at the bar. There were two guys playing pool in the back room, out of sight, and a few guys smoking in the patio, but Vern and I were the only ones in the main room. In that sort of situation too, it would feel rude to not chat up the only person left in the vicinity. It's part of my job to make people feel welcome after all. But despite it being a super slow night, I felt drained and I just couldn't find the energy to strike up a genuine conversation with someone who wasn't making me feel like I was on full display. But despite being a super slow night, I felt drained and I just couldn't find the energy to strike up a genuine conversation with someone who was making me feel like I was on full display. I figured it would be a good time to just go to the storeroom and grab a few cases of beer that I had to restock soon anyway. So I excused myself and I told Vern that I was going to the office and would be right back, but if he needed anything that he could holler. When I made it inside the office, I immediately felt a sense of relief like I'd finally made it backstage after a gruelingly long performance. It took me about 30 seconds to grab the stuff that I needed, but I decided to sit down and just mess around on my phone for a few minutes, enjoying my solitude. I stayed there until it felt like I'd been away from my post for a bit too long, at which point I grabbed the beer cases and I headed back to the bar. To my surprise though, Vern was gone by the time that I got back, and there was a $20 note under his glass. I felt suddenly guilty, not because I had just made money off of him, Though, of course, that was appreciated. But because maybe he really was just some horny closeted dude who didn't know how to interact with other guys, and maybe the money was his only reliable way of expressing gratitude for the company. And maybe I had misread the cues and was projecting my own insecurities into his, admittedly, awkward behavior. Maybe, 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 right? In any case, he was gone now, and I still had more to do, so... I placed the cash in my tip jar and mentally thanked him for it. I began going about my tasks for the rest of the shift and I quickly put Vern out of my head. 
A couple of hours later, around 1am, I escorted the final stragglers outside and I closed the front door. I work alone on Monday nights, so it usually takes me a little less than an hour to finish my tasks after closing. And, as per usual, I put on some chill music and I went on autopilot. I finished everything around 2am, I think. After turning off the last few lights, I also grabbed my knapsack, set the alarm, and headed for the front door, which locks on its own. I started to amble down the street towards my car, the only one left on the block. All I could think about was how badly I needed to pack a bowl and jump into the shower. When I reached the back door of my car, I absentmindedly yanked it open and threw my knapsack into the back seat, slamming the door closed. I stepped up to the driver's side door and pulled the handle and I climbed inside. Only as my ass made contact with the seat and I reached my hand toward the open door, did I realize that I hadn't taken my car keys out of my bag. I never actually unlocked my car and a wave just rolled over me like I jumped into an ocean and I saw something in the periphery of my vision. And I kid you not, there he was, just sitting there in my passenger seat. Now, I am not at all ashamed to admit that I screamed. The driver's side door was still wide open but I didn't and couldn't move. I just stared at him, kind of dumbfounded. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you, Vern said. I didn't immediately respond, so he quickly followed up with, I thought that we could hang out, and maybe play some games together. Then, like it was nothing, he handed me my car keys, which he had obviously stolen out of my bag during those minutes that I was in the office, and apologized again, presumably for having my keys in the first place. Then he offhandedly gave me an address and said that he didn't live far away if I was interested. I'd like to say that I was this close to grabbing him by the collar and beating the crap out of him, but something in my gut just urged me strongly to play along, to pretend like this situation wasn't completely insane. I mean, the street was deserted, I had no idea if he was armed, how unhinged he was, etc. There were just too many variables. Ah, uh, no worries, man. You just gave me a fright, I said casually, like he was an old childhood friend who had just flown into town to surprise me on my birthday. I just wasn't expecting to see you. Quite honestly, I had no idea what to say. It might have been a stupid decision on my part, I know, and there were probably a thousand and one things that I should have done instead, but I tried to genuinely meet him halfway and just be as gracious as possible, as calmly as possible. Yeah, that sounds cool, but it was a crazy long night for me, and honestly, I'm just really tired. Can we rain check? A few silent moments passed, but I suppose I sounded genuine enough because he crossed his arms and simply said, okay. I asked him if he had his car parked nearby, and he said no. I didn't press the issue further, and again, dumb, I know. I told him outright that I'd be happy to drop him off at his place, at which point we could trade numbers and make plans in the morning after I'd gotten some sleep. Somehow, appeasement seemed safer than flat-out confrontation or running away, or suggesting Uber or whatever. I didn't want to offend him or make him feel like he was in the wrong, I had no idea what he was capable of, whether he was actually malevolent or just an alien from another social dimension. In the end, he quietly agreed to the ride, and man, that was the longest ten minutes of my life. 
On the way, I asked him about how his day went and what games he liked and other random stuff. I mentioned multiple times that I was really glad to meet another gamer and that it'd be fun to share the hobby with someone else. Basically, I said whatever it took to keep the conversation light and flowing, but he didn't seem to say much at all aside from occasionally directing me left and right, and whatever he did say had a sort of petulant tone to it. I honestly felt like I was driving home a psychotic toddler whom I just refused McDonald's. He looked out the passenger window the entire ride. Occasionally I would glance over at him, but mostly I tried to keep my eyes forward because I found that focusing on the road made me feel more... centered. Of course, in hindsight, a, a part of me wishes now that I had acted more assertively, whipping around a sharp turn and sending him flying effortlessly out the window or something. You know, something badass, but being friendly and accommodating was really the only thing that seemed appropriate at the time. My grandfather always told me, kill him with kindness, and I disagree that that's always the correct solution, but it's what I did that night, and it seemed to work. I considered driving directly to a police station, but I wasn't terribly familiar with the neighborhood, and I didn't want to rile him up by taking out my phone. But before long, though, we arrived. The destination was a small park or something in a suburb that I'd only driven through a couple of times previously. He said that he would walk the rest of the way, and at his request, I brought the car to the stop on the corner. There was a short, somewhat terrifying too, lull before either of us said anything or made any sort of move. I offered to put my number in his phone, but he refused and simply said thanks and just got out of the car. As soon as he closed the door, I hightailed it down the street. I drove aimlessly for about a mile before I pulled over and just idled on the side of the main road. I sat in silence for a few moments and then I called my boss, who at this point is a good friend. Honestly, I did not care that it was after 2am at this point. He picked up after a couple of rings and I quickly regurgitated everything that had just happened. He was a good sport about it too and didn't just play it off as laughs, instead expressing legitimate concern. We had a mandatory staff meeting that week in which everyone was told that they needed to be on guard and how the bar would be installing several cameras for extra security. And thankfully, but also somewhat eerily, I never saw Vern again since that night and nor have any of the other bartenders. About a year and a half ago, I was standing on my back deck just having a smoke. I live in a row of duplexes where the back of my house directly faces the back house of the street behind me. From where I was standing, I could see into their kitchen window and dining room and living room. Also, the layouts of these houses are all pretty similar. I also think that uh, it's probably pretty important to mention that I was completely sober at the time. It was in the summer around dusk. I would say... Uh, nine o'clock as my kid and fiance were both in bed. It was light enough out that I could see clearly in my backyard but dark enough that the windows in the house facing me were bright and clear allowing me to see into them. From what I can tell too it's a pretty normal couple that lives there. A bald man who seems to do all the cooking. His short blonde wife who jogs and has an in-home daycare. I often see them in the evening eating supper and hanging out before bed while I'm on the deck smoking. Nothing about them or their house ever struck me as odd until this incident. 
and nothing like this has ever happened since. So, as I was standing there, I noticed something in their kitchen window. From what I can gather, the kitchen window was in front of a sink, and at first glance, I thought it was a child in a costume, specifically a Spider-Man costume, as it looked red. This child was perched in the window with its leg bent, arms bent as well. In my head, I was trying to rationalize how this kid was holding this position so well in the space, what size it would have to be to fit there, etc. As I was trying to figure this out, all of a sudden this thing starts swinging from the ceiling, exactly how you would imagine a monkey swinging too. It swings around the kitchen and into the other rooms. I can see it moving throughout the windows. The entire time the couple in this house seems completely unaware of it too. They're just going about their business, tidying up, walking from room to room, not affected at all by this thing hanging from the ceiling and moving to and fro from the kitchen window. I was obviously mesmerized. I couldn't stop watching because I was trying to figure out what the hell it was. If it was a kid, why weren't they yelling at them for being so reckless? If it was an animal, why hadn't I seen it before? I continued watching and with every second that passed I just grew more and more confused. It moved sharp and quickly. The size and perspective seemed to shift based on where it was. Then it came back to the window and it perched again. This time I tried to focus very hard on its features. I couldn't make out any details except that it was really skinny and flexible and had a, an angular face and was red. As I watched it, all of a sudden I just got this feeling of absolute terror and dread. This thing was making eye contact with me and I could tell. I couldn't make out what color the eyes were, which I know doesn't make sense, but it was uh, all blurring together kind of. Suddenly I felt locked in place. This window was about 150 feet away and I felt like it was getting closer. This thing in the window then started projecting itself towards me. In fact, exactly how things come toward you in a 3D movie. This is hard to explain, but it kind of stayed on the window but got closer. I stood there for a few seconds, frozen with fear, and then I felt like it was going to come so close that it would touch me. I have never felt so scared and threatened in my life, and I immediately turned away, ran inside, and got my fiancé. I was terrified and didn't want to go outside again, so I made him come to the upstairs bathroom window and peek out into the window. This thing was still very much there. It was swinging around from the ceiling again, almost playfully. It came back to the window and looked out a few times and then continued to move around the house. Now, my fiancé is an atheist. He doesn't believe in ghosts or God or anything he can't see. But he saw it and was not able to explain it too. He said to me, it must be a monkey, right? And just brushed it off. I explained what I experienced to him, and he agreed that it was messed up, but that was the end of it for him, pretty much. He was satisfied with the one-night-only monkey explanation, and that was the end of it. To be honest, though, I feel like it's more likely that this was something paranormal than a visiting monkey in a costume that was never to be seen again, and I'm hoping that you can help me figure it out. This has honestly shaken me and I've spent a lot of time looking up demons or entities trying to figure out what it could have been and why it got so close to me. Or was it trying to possess or attack me or something? 
how come it was only there once? I've looked into the history of the area where we lived as best as I can, and it really hasn't turned up anything that's jumped out at me. And so, any direction or feedback that you guys might have would be greatly appreciated. So in my life, there's only been a few times that I've ever looked back and thought I really could have been killed or something. And this story is one of them. So it was back in 2010 and I had just started college. I had arrived pretty early as I figured traffic would be much worse than it turned out to be and to kill some time I decided to go to a Walmart across the street. After shopping some MTG and buying some food, I made my way out and once I stepped off to the curb, a man stopped me. This guy was probably between his late 30s and early 40s and pretty unkempt looking, ripped jeans that looked old, a shirt that was faded and looked like it once had a design or writing on it, and a baseball cap that appeared to be the only somewhat new thing that he had on. Once he stopped me, he started up with, Hey man, I hate to be a bother, but I was doing some construction work up the road and my truck ran out of gas. Can you help me out and drive with me to the gas station? I'm alone and I'm pretty desperate. Obviously, that seemed pretty sketchy, so I instead offered to give him $10 that I had on me, thinking that it might really be a guy down on his luck. To my surprise, he immediately shot down my offer and instead just continued to insist that I instead let him drive me to the gas station in his truck, pay for his gas, and then he'd drive me back. Needless to say, this all seemed incredibly bizarre and I just told him no and that I was in a hurry. Instead of leaving it alone, he began to tell me, Man, come on, I'm all alone here and my truck is on here. I'm just stranded here by myself. When I continued to walk away, he began to try and grab at my arm while continuing to beg. I realized quickly that the way that we were positioned, every time that he went to grab at me and I walked away, he was leading me more and more away from the store and more towards the parking lot, which was not very full this early in the morning. Not wanting to let him keep leading me away, I walked back towards the store and I said that I had something that I forgot inside. And instead of following me, he pretty quickly backed off once I made it to the doors. I think he didn't want to go inside and risk others seeing him. Now, I know that this may sound like overreacting, but at this point, I was freaking out. I had never had someone actually try and grab me like that, and every bad scenario was just running in my head. Not wanting him to do this with anyone else, I alerted the front desk of what was going on, and they said that they'd handle it. Honestly, I don't know if they did or didn't because I just quickly went for the other exit and nearly ran into my car. Once I was in my car, I noticed that he was walking away from his spot and I assumed that either they had kicked him out or he was simply admitting defeat for the day. I was curious though, so I watched him walk to the back of the parking lot and get into his truck. And my heart sank when he pulled away and I noticed two heads pop up from the back seats as if they were hiding out of view until the car was moving. And to make matters even more sketchy, he didn't pull into the nearest gas station and instead pulled straight onto the highway. Obviously not something someone alone and running out of gas would do, right? Fast forward two days later and I stop at the Walmart and what do I find? Yep, it was him still there and still giving the same story about being stranded and needing someone to come with him. 
This time, instead of telling the store, I just immediately called the police. I don't know if he recognized me and saw me on the phone or what, but he left pretty soon after that and I never saw him in the parking lot again. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.